What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Above Park Golf Show. Today's guest from South Africa is Derek Borster. So he's a, a fitness coach as well as an avid golfer. Derek, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. Very excited to be on your show. Thanks, Alex. Thank you very much. So I mentioned there, obviously, you're, you're a fitness coach. So just tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, um, as well as the golf side, kind of uh, how you got started in golf, but also kind of what you do outside of golf as well. Yeah, uh, well, I, I started playing golf, actually, uh, which was one of the last sports I started to play when I was growing up. Um, I'm from a very sport background. Uh, so my parents loved tennis, for instance. They were very good tennis players. Uh, they actually met in university playing tennis. So, And uh, I played all the sports, you know, the South African typical sports growing up, uh, rugby, cricket, tennis. And I think I was only in about 13 years old, so that would be about grade seven, uh, just before high school, uh, growing up when I actually first tried to play properly, you know, proper golf. Um, if you don't count those you know, those little plastic clubs when you're very little and you're playing on the lawn and things. Yeah. And I'm looking that way and down and that way. And my mom was like, what are you doing? And I was like, that's what they do on TV. They do, they do that. And uh, then hitting the ball and all. But I played for the first time when I was uh, about 13 and flipping a terribly difficult game, as, you, as we all know, uh, yeah. starting out. <laughs> But and just uh, yeah, got hooked like like all like most avid uh, golfers, most golfers who play a lot, and uh, actually played until the end of high school quite often. And then um, I was kind of known as the golf player in my school. I wasn't in a very big school, but uh, so golf wasn't you know the the most popular. It was one of those normal schools where rugby is the thing or cricket mm -hmm. which i which i did too but golf was um for me a, a favorite so uh, near the end of high school i i was i was playing a lot of tournaments i think the my handicap was about five or six and so the the my results were getting worse because the handicaps lowers so are difficult to play well <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah and then i actually stopped for about 10 years after school oh wow uh, university sports um like crossfit and things that that came about and then i started to study fitness uh, so all sorts of distractions um, the normal university distractions as well the the nights out and things that you, sh you shouldn't do too much but uh, yeah and then and and i think golf just kind of faded for a while and then and now very recently about a year back and uh, some good friends told me, you know, they're, they're going to play fan court. Uh, if you know fan court, one of the beautiful courses yep. in Western Cape here. Uh, so I joined them for that. It was actually really fun. Uh, we made like a, what did we do? We did like a, a Ryder Cup amongst us. We had four of us, okay. Team Europe and four of us, uh, Team America. And it was like a serious competition, but also fun, you know, uh, fines meetings after each day and things like that. So... <laughs> And, and since then, I've been playing quite regular again. Yeah. So, so what was it that maybe made you fall in love with golf rather than uh, the other popular sports like cricket or, or rugby? Yeah, good question. I, uh, look, I did enjoy cricket and rugby and tennis and those things at school. And being a, at a small school like, like I was, it was a co-ed school. 
it was you kind of required to almost you are um you're asked very sort of they ask you in a, a serious way to to take part in as many sports as possible because you they can see you fairly talented and so they need you because the school is small and obviously my folks were very concerned you know playing rugby for instance that i would pick up an injury that would stop my golf completely but luckily it didn't happen and uh, as much as i enjoyed those i realized you know closer to the end of high school i would have to choose one or two because you, you don't really have enough days in the week to actually fit it all in and for instance my tennis just started to suck i couldn't hit the back end <laughs> Like and then opponents pick it up immediately. It'll hit straight to my back end all the time. <laughs> so I thought, okay, let me just discontinue tennis first. And obviously, there was disappointment because there, I was um, achieving fairly well in tennis at that time. And then after that, kind of your final exams come about, and then you realize, oh, geez, I don't have time for cricket either now. <laughs> and so let me drop that. And <laughs> so uh golf was kind of the thing you can you can do all the time whether you've got friends to do it with or not and i think that's partly a reason but i also just just the challenge of it you know you you're always thinking okay i birdied this whole last time maybe i can birdie it again you know and, and you've always got that challenge with golf which is really nice and you can play it alone you can play it with friends uh obviously it's nicer for me to play with with friends of mine but I played so many rounds alone, uh, even because my hours are different. So I played rounds alone as well. And I, I enjoyed almost just, just as much. So, so those kind of things and, and the challenge golf brings, I think I, I relished that, that challenge every time. Yeah, I think there are a couple of common answers that, you know, people give. And it's probably one of mine as well in terms of number one, it's the whole challenge of, you know, it's different from sports, isn't it? Like you said, maybe one time you break 100 and then now it's like okay well what's the next goal so it's break 90 mm. and that's a common answer that a lot of golfers give and, and myself included but then the second point is also a good one as well it's it's one of those sports whereby you can go and play on your own or you can go and play with a group of friends and still you know just enjoy it uh, the same so I think it's something that's uh, that's quite common and that's what, definitely what I relish with uh, is with the challenge. It's like, right, well, what's the next goal? What can I do next now to to keep improving? And I think you can never really achieve a final goal in golf, can you? Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that's really cool as well. And it's, it's very, there's so many parallels with, um, say, golf and, and fitness or CrossFit or, you know, the, the coaching classes I, I take part in as well. It's... Um, you're never going to to be perfect at anything you're just going to keep approaching perfection which is really nice i think it's um, it shouldn't discourage you should actually rather encourage you to try and you know keep approaching that that perfect lift if it's a lift in in the gym or uh, if you're starting to hit your drives nine nine out of ten fairways you can focus on that 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. and i think that's really nice as well and yeah, so it's just a lot of parallels in, in between fitness and golf, which I can, or we can discuss in, in, a, in a minute, I guess. But uh, I feel like they, uh, they really complement each other in a, a lot of ways, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that then about the kind of fitness side. So what, what sort of age did you get into? Well, maybe fitness in general, but then you're also a coach, aren't you? So when did you kind of start to decide that that was something that you wanted to do as well in your life? Yeah, exactly. I I really enjoyed uh, 
just the, obviously trying to be healthy and, and look good and those, those kind of things that, that come with it. But uh, initially, you know, in university, when I was, I was of like not quite sure what to do or what to study. And uh, then you kind of take those, those little, um, what do you call it, those aptitude tests or those, those tests that you, you meet with a psychologist and they ask you, would you rather go out with friends or would you stay uh -huh. at home? And, and then, <laughs> the oh, you, you want to study fitness. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like a personality kind of a test. So those ones all came up like, oh, right, you enjoy sports. So you should study a sports science degree. So that was kind of one of the things I did. I didn't uh, complete that, but I finished a psychology um, kind of degree. And then so I said to my folks, you know, what now? And they said, okay, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> so I said, well, well, I'm enjoying the gym. The gym's really nice. I, I want to kind of find out more how to do that. You know, how do I train properly or how do I um, get myself into good shape? What's the correct way to do it? So they said, all right, take a personal training course. And then, so for the next year or two, I was kind of busy with that. And then, um, so I was in a regular gym for a few years. I was at a Virgin Active actually, uh, in the Eastern Gap, I was, I was working at a Virgin Active as a trainer for about three and a half, four years, uh, which was good, was nice. And, and at that time, CrossFit was kind of coming into South Africa. So we had, uh, you know, a friend of mine is like, hey, dude, come and try this. It'll kill you. And uh, I said, I'm not sure if I want to, but uh, okay, whatever. It's probably just one of these fads that's going to pass. Uh -huh. And then I did this workout. It was like really tough, really like not what I was used to doing, bench pressing or, mm -hmm. you know, pull-ups. And then this workout was super intense, like a lot of burpees and things that I did. And I was like, that was terrible. Let's do it again now. I want to try it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and, and then from there, I decided, well, let's, uh, let's get a CrossFit certificate as well and get, get qualified in that. And so it just kind of went from there. And I started coaching for various CrossFit gyms um, in mostly Eastern Cape and Western Cape in South Africa. And yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was at the time when I wasn't playing golf much. You know, I was... Mm -hmm maybe the odd once a year or so my friends would be oh you want to come play some golf and I'd be, oh yeah I can, I can kind of play let's try it out and yeah and now i'm i'm really enjoying the golf and crossfit together it's actually the, the first time I, re I realized that i still have a passion for for playing golf and and I, I can you know manage my time and do golf and crossfit if i if i just manage it properly yeah. yeah, well, I, I saw on your, your Instagram account, which is, uh, it's Derek Golf, if anybody wants to check out Derek, and you're also an English teacher as well. Is that something you're still doing or is that something else? Yeah, so you're managing yeah. English teacher, fitness coach, as well as, as golf. <laughs> yeah, that's actually my, that's more, you know, the bulk of my income right now is, is English online teaching, which I do for, for a company based in Europe. So uh, it's not one of those that you, you talk to young children in China or something. It's, it's actually talking to Europeans and adults. So uh, most of them are kind of from Spain and Italy and Germany and so on. And they are very interesting to talk to. It's nice to learn from them and all. And they, yeah, they share about what's happening in Spain and what's happening with mm -hmm. the pandemic. And so my friends like to hear from me, you know, what, what are, what are the um, similarities in the lockdown over there? And, what's happening in South Africa and 
generally South Africa is behind, but <laughs> it's okay. So yeah. it's, it's fun to draw those comparisons for, with the yeah. teaching as well. Yeah. So before you kind of took that 10 year gap out that you mentioned, you were still going to the gym when you were playing golf before that 10 year gap, right? You were going to the yes, gym and yes. playing golf. And then obviously now you do the CrossFit and golf. So have you noticed any differences in your game in terms of how well you play and how you feel doing the sport or playing the sport in terms of when you were training just regularly in the gym and now that you're training in CrossFit, do you feel better for that or how does it, how does it vary? Yeah, that's an awesome question, actually. Um, the, the very first thing I noticed, uh, I was actually home with the folks and having a round, with, you know, round of golf with my mom. And uh, she still plays a little bit. I try and get her to play. And I'm standing there, and it's one of my first rounds of golf in, you know, in now this 10-year gap. Now I'm like, this feels weird. And, and I'm sure you had your, a few, you know, a round of golf after a while. Sure. I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go, mom. I don't know when I'm going to hit it. So I hit, I think it was a four iron and it went way further than, than I planned it to go. So either that is all the, all the strength training over the years. Um, I mean, your, your body will take a change in any case in 10 years, but my, um, the strength in hitting the ball for me is, is way better than, um, that now I would say than at matric or, you know, in my, last years of high school so you definitely um, notice an increase in your distance and uh, but you know more recently I would say now that I'm playing more regularly again um, I'm, I'm more focused on uh, more of the accuracy uh, so as I, I think I mentioned to you before one of my less um, less consistent parts of my game is, is my driving so uh, I won't easily take the driver out the bag to hit. I'll <laughs> probably take a three wood or a five wood. And mm -hmm. then my friends are like, oh, come on, dude, don't be, don't be a, you know, don't be a chicken. And, <laughs> but um, generally I'll take a driver if it's for like a par five or, or if I sure, know yeah. there's a chance to maybe get near the green in two, then I'll take a driver. But for, for me at the moment, the driver is a little bit of a risky club, but uh, yeah, definitely I would say, to 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 answer you um regarding that is is you feel more strength in your swing and, and more stability because uh you're also doing a lot of core things in the gym and mm -hmm. and obviously that the rotations and your your hips and the, the core strength is very important so those have definitely uh, made a difference i think yeah i was going to move on to mm -hmm. that in terms of asking you your opinion on on what you think the most important um parts are to to obviously strengthen and you mentioned the core there that we all know is, is very important. What else would you say is the keys um, in terms of, you know, improving the strength of your body that will then help you then improve your golf game? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so apart from straight up building strength and having a good solid core when you're doing those rotations. And I think definitely very importantly is the, uh, the mobility, uh, keep maintaining your flexibility uh the years as you go on and that's that's why i've just um i know that crossfit is, is sometimes controversial in terms of its intensity and you know injury risk and people are always like oh crossfit and but uh, <laughs> there's some really great things about crossfit and, and a typical good crossfit class which in which involves normally a warm-up element um a strength element and then a sort of intensity 
part of the session all of those things combined and then you also have like a typically a mobility a few minutes where you for instance if we're doing a lot of say deadlifts that day then you'll do a lot of mobility for your lower back and you know a couple of cat camel stretches and those kind of things to prepare your mm -hmm. spine that you're going to lift these weights and so definitely you know mobility very importantly because uh, as we get older we obviously lose that um you know that we lose that elasticity in our muscles so you whereas my swing can maybe now be a full shoulder rotation that will only be kind of a half a rotation in 10 years time if i don't uh, mm -hmm. pay any attention to my flexibility so i think that's another very important thing that that will play a role yeah i i actually spoke to somebody else that's kind of into the fitness um side of, of golf maybe not crossfit but she was always talking about you know how she'd have to balance the the, obviously the days that she does exercise and workouts because sometimes you know she does maybe a workout the day before or the same day that she's playing golf she obviously just finds that she's completely exhausted or just doesn't have that <laughs> same stamina yeah. to play so as you mentioned there crossfit is is quite intense i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i'd probably say it's more intense than regular gym workouts so how do you find that as well like are you obviously planning the days that you're working out and planning the days that you practice or, or play golf yeah that's that's really made me <laughs> makes me think of a, a while back i was playing with a you know, this friend of mine in, in in parle it's a town just nearby where i'm staying in western cape yeah um part, close to cape town and i'm playing kind of regularly with this friend of mine and he's he's gotten me into golf again and he's playing i think about a one or two handicap right now so he's playing freaking well uh <laughs> but he so he invites me for, you know, a better ball tournament in the weekend or come the coming Saturday. And um, so we obviously talk leading up to the weekend and he goes, I think it's like Thursday or Friday. And he's like, geez, my legs are broken. I can't walk. And <laughs> I said, what the hell did you do? And he's like, no, I was in the gym and we're doing He's, he's sending me the workouts and he's also got, I, I can see, you know, these workouts, this guy is definitely familiar with crossfit kind of things and there's a bunch of burpees in there there's pull-ups there's all sorts of stuff there's rowing i'm like what the hell are you doing dude we've got a competition in two days and now you can't swing the club he's, so and we have a laugh and then he says yeah well you got to make all the points because you your handicap seven or eight or i said yeah but but still like you, you those those that two handicap of yours you still got to make some contribution you know <laughs> or play badly let your handicap go up and so yeah. <laughs> it really reminds me yeah so it, it is important to to manage that and i said i said to him look next time just train your legs the day before and not your upper body so you can at least swing the club you know yeah i'll carry you on the course if you make birdies <laughs> for us and yeah and sometimes i do really feel oof, i've got pain um in my back or in my shoulders but uh, luckily not an injury kind of pain just the normal muscle soreness pain where you've trained and yeah i have learned a few times the hard way to try and manage yeah. that a bit better because i'm just like i can't swing today i have to re rely completely on perfect timing instead of actually swinging because i'm so so tired from the yeah from the training so yeah it's yeah. important to manage and you mentioned before about that you're working on the accuracy side then so as you've seen that improvement with maybe the distance, did you notice any lack of accuracy or a, a decrease in accuracy? Is that why you're working on it? Or did you just decide to work on it anyway? 
uh, accuracy was, I think, terrible in the first few months when I started playing again. I, was, <laughs> I yeah. couldn't even, I wasn't sure where I'm going to hit the ball. Uh, but what I meant by that question was like, is, do you think that is maybe just because you had that time out or would you maybe yes. link it as well to the fact that you are now more powerful in terms of the strength and the distance you're able to get in your shots that maybe that's then damaged the, the distance, uh, the accuracy a little bit? Yeah, I think both both of those things. Yeah, it's it's in terms of normally strength and, and accuracy are, are kind of a, a inverted uh, scale. Mm-hmm. Eh? So the, the more... Um, power you have then you you sacrifice a bit of control and so i tried to kind of find a middle ground after that day so to you know i'd more often pull my three wood or my five wood out the bag and and you know sacrifice that bit of distance and try try and get the ball in the fairway because my first couple of rounds back and i was just smashing the ball as far as i could and i mean you've got the nice distance on that but you're lying in a bush or next to you know you got a terrible lie in the rough so it's probably going to take you two or three other shots to to now get to the green Mm -hmm. so um and this is again my friend stefan from paul he's he's really much more accurate player than me i think that's his main strength over me he's uh he'll he'll say for instance on a par five he'll from the start he'll plan to get there with three shots and I'll, for instance, I'll attack it and I'll say, well, maybe I can get there in two. Um, so that's probably why he's a bit more consistent golfer than me. But uh, yeah, and the accuracy did come back again with, with the practice and, you know, um, feeling what you do. I'm, I'm quite a, I'm more of a feel golfer. I can hit the ball outright and I know immediately what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, I could work on those things a little bit and it's, it's getting a bit better. Yeah. That's good then that you can kind of feel that. I mean, do you work with a coach as well or have you kind of self-taught yourself? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't since I started again this last, the past year. I've just been playing uh, with with a friend and, and watching the odd YouTube video, uh, <laughs> seeing what's happening or, or what kind of tip I might get. But uh, luckily I haven't had a, a kind of consistent problem like a slice or a hook or something. And and it's it's more of a problem of you know you're pushing the ball slightly out to the right or you or you pull that one left and uh, I don't know if it's if it's luck or or if I'm just lucky that I can feel that kind of thing but I, I can I can feel exactly what I, what I did you know my hands came up through a bit too early there or um, my wrist just opened up completely or my hips weren't coming through at the right time. So, so generally, um, I think I'm lucky in that way. I can, uh, I can feel what I did wrong and, and sure. try and adapt it, try and fix it. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice trait to have, isn't it? Because I think it's one of the most important things when you are out on the course, actually played around. I mean, during practice, you can obviously video your swing, take a break and see what you're doing. But during the, the round of golf, you know, unless you've got time to, to have somebody film you and, and then watch it back, you're... You've got to try and figure out what it is that you do wrong if you are doing something wrong on the course, haven't you? So um, yeah, it's a really yeah. nice trick to have. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was just wondering. Yeah, I mean, for for you, for instance, if you um, that this is curious on my part. I mean, mm-hmm. I can generally feel what I did. I can't necessarily fix it straight away, but I can I can feel. Oh, geez, I'm always doing that, or I'm always pulling that to the left or something. So. Um, would, would you kind of 
if if you are making a consistent error, would you do something similar, or would you ask your friend to check it out? How would you do it? Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm on the practice uh, range, like I said, you know, I'm I'm always kind of videoing my swing and doing drills. Um, I'm not the kind of person that will go and and just kind of hit 50 balls, you know, without looking at any of the swings. So yeah. I'll always make sure that I'm doing good practice rather, than, you know, it's it's quality over quantity, right? So. I'm videoing a swing and then, you know, if I'm doing some good ones, I'll kind of just let it go and, and just, you know, keep hitting it while I'm doing it nicely. But then if I do hit one that's going right or, or left or what have you, then I will kind of make sure to have that on video and have a look at it. And I think with me, you know, you mentioned there that some people just either have a slice or they have a hook. I think we all tend to have our bad shots, right? Or something that we do wrong when we do do something yeah. wrong. So it's normally not easy, but it's, it's quite, it's quite easy to identify what specific thing it is that I'm mm. doing that's caused that shot. Um, so yeah, I have kind of two or three, especially when I started golf and it would be either a slice um, or I tend to uh, hit down on the ball quite a lot. So I'm not shallow in the club enough. So I know okay. that obviously if I'm not getting a real good uh, bit of contact on it and it's going straight, that is one of my bad shots, if you like. And right. without even looking at a video, I can kind of, I know that I'm maybe coming down on the ball a little bit too much rather than shallowing the club out and coming, you know, nicely down at it and, and getting good contact. So, yeah, I think to answer the question, I think with me personally, if it was on the course or if I've not got a video there, I normally know, depending on what the bad shot is, what I'm normally do, doing wrong, mm. that it's just a case of trying to get the focus back and, and make sure I'm doing what I was you know, taught to do when I hit those bad shots. That's so true. I think uh, it really comes down to, to try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, like I've got a, another good friend. We sometimes play around um, yeah, in, in Busto where I'm staying. It's a beautiful course, but he's also kind of, he's just starting out. So he's like, yeah, dude, please tell me, please give me any tips anytime. And, and I, I'm wary of trying to tell him too much information. So mm. I've always, uh, also when I'm playing on my own or I've, I'm just practice swinging, I'm trying not to think about a million things because I know that I'm probably going to mess it up. So mm. I'm normally just thinking, okay, take the practice shot. That feels good. Don't think too much to do it again. All right. Feels good still. Let's hope the real thing <laughs> is also good now. So that's, yeah, as you mentioned, I think it's, um, you can feel what's going on, but if in terms of if I'm if I'm helping out, if I'm coaching a friend or something, I'm I'm gonna try and keep it as simple as I can. But even for myself, I've I really try and just don't think about um, you know the shoulders, the hips, and the wrists, and the the foot positioning. It's a million things that you can think about if you want to, and mm -hmm. I actually just skip some YouTube videos because they pop up like this. Okay practice your driver and perfect your putts and yeah. i'm like no i don't want to see that you're going to tell me too much <laughs> and i'm going to think about it too much so uh, yeah just just trying to keep it as simple as possible actually and and in most cases it works better most of the time yeah i think too many swing thoughts is is something that you know could ruin a lot of players isn't it i mean as soon as you start thinking about it on the tee and or you stood over that ball for, for too long you you do tend to just then you know you're hitting bad shots aren't you because you're just overthinking it you're not really you should be once you've got your swing in place it should all be muscle memory right that's how we work it, it should be my body mm. knows what it's going to do during this swing um so yeah i i agree with what you're saying for me it's just 
okay, right, so I've hit that to the right, so I know that I'm just doing this or this. And mm. I maybe practice that kind of movement or thing that I know that I should be doing during the pre-shot routine. But then as soon as I stand over the ball, I'm trying to just basically go ahead and hit it. I don't want any kind of swing for um, during the actual real real shot. So yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah, exactly. It's actually more, I mean, maybe that's why us guys enjoy it because you've got to try and blank your mind and not think about anything. So um, it made, made me think of something else right now. Uh, yeah, but it's it's so true. I mean, I I for instance, if I hit a if hit a ball slightly outright, and that is generally my first drive of the day. It's gonna be a um a slight fade or just pushed outright, where my normal swing is actually a draw. So um I know that it's gonna be such a minor adjustment. And generally as the round goes on, you you can make those little tiny adjustments. And that that's what I also enjoy is is um you've got these very small modifications you've got to make all the time while you thinking about your swing or while you thinking about your next shot. And um, I try to just think about the main thing. And uh, mm -hmm. as for instance, if it's a ball just next to the green, you know, try and get it close. Um, don't try and focus on the actual chip shot and hitting it properly. Try and focus where I'm going to hit it. Yeah. But uh, that, that, that also depends on <laughs> where you are in your game i mean it, it just gives you a lot of comfort when you see something like justin thomas topping his five wood off the fairway what is it this this prison tournament <laughs> yeah and, yeah and, he hits it towards oh. his dad something like that so. <laughs> yeah so we know that it can happen to them so i think we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves no overall i think yeah, I'm, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good point. I think, again, it's another reason why me and, you know, yourself and a lot of other people love golf because, you know, I'm a, I'm a football player originally when I, was, when I was younger. That was my sport. And I think once you've learned the majority of the techniques, okay, you're not going to do it perfect every time, but you'll very rarely do it too wrong. You always know how to, to pass a ball and shoot and, and, and what have you. Um, right. but yeah, with golf, as you mentioned there, even the professionals sometimes, I, I remember watching a tournament last year, I think it was with Bryson DeChambeau and he, he I think he topped it off the tee, tee and it went like yeah. 50 yards in front of him. And then his second shot, he shanked it off to the right and he yeah. like a, a nine or something. So <laughs> I think him and, him and you, Lee Westwood were playing together and, and they both had a yes. shocking hole. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's it. Yeah, it wasn't, I don't know if it was last year, but it, it seems like it. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the tournament yeah. I was talking about. And Lee a few months did, back. Did the yeah. same. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting sometimes to see these guys, not that you'd want to see it, but it's good to go, oh, okay, you know, yes. maybe, maybe I'm not so bad at golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're rooting for Bryson or Lee and, and they do something like that, then you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. but, but in a way, it, it's comforting to, to see that, you know, it can sure. happen. And I mean, I mean with, as a, with us. Sorry, I was yeah, just. So I was gonna. I was gonna say, as a as a fitness guy yourself, then what do you make of what Brighton's doing or has been doing recently? Oh yeah, you mean with his whole um, the bulk it all. Well, he had a whole physique change, eh? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'd love to know exactly what he did to if there was some kind of info on the the exact routine he did or his, you know his periodization or whatever he did with his training, but clearly it's paid off to some extent. He's, he's got mm. that nice distance now. And I think it's a, a nice advantage to have definitely uh, as long as you can use it to your advantage and not, mm. you know, not hit the ball out of bounds or anything, but he seems to actually have 
some good control over that that nice big swing as well. So I'm I'm pretty impressed with him and and I think um, on that note, you know, when uh, for instance when Tiger came on in, in the late '90s and just looked so strong and good and solid, mm-hmm. I think that is when there was almost a mind shift in my opinion in terms of you know maybe maybe it is important to involve fitness in playing golf you know and maybe that actually does give you some edge or some element of advantage over over the field when you when you actually pay attention to your your fitness and your strength and mm-hmm. your core and i'm sure um I, well this is my opinion but i think that as a result of tiger's success and just his good physique especially back then that uh, a lot of golfers also had that little mind shift mind shift and in uh you know focus and paying more attention on looking good or being in good shape and helping them with their golf game yeah i think it's a, a obviously a topic that a lot of people are talking about and it just seems that people are talking about it like it's something that's completely new in the game when i feel like you know it's not exactly something new whereby people are looking for more strength and more distance it's it's always happening golf and there's always been um, you know, players that are stronger than others and, and are able to get that kind of, you know, uh, bigger distances. Mm. Um, as you mentioned there, when Tiger came on the scene, he was obviously very athletic and very powerful. Um, and it just, you know, now seems like it's a new era whereby you can bulk up and, and kind of get that that change in diff- distance like that. And I yeah. don't think it should be anything that's, you know, looked down on. I think um, if people can do it and still find that balance that you were talking about before between the accuracy and the distance... You know, obviously, if you are hitting it, whatever, 50 yards more, but you, you're out of bounds all the time, then it's no good, is it? But he seems to more or less have it under control. Uh, I think he's still got a lot of work to do, hasn't he? But if um, if I'm right in saying this, his, his percentage in terms of his accuracy has been increased since, um, you know, he was that kind of more, not smaller, but maybe slimmer and, and not so muscular mm. uh, golfer. So mm. he's, he's clearly found a, a good balance with it now. Um I'm not, I'm not 100% sure with him, though. It just seems like sometimes I watch him and it does just look like, wow, this is incredible, you know, what he's, the, the advantage he's got now over the rest of the field. But then kind of like that that shot, those shots there where I was just talking about him in that tournament with Lee, he does have those moments whereby he's kind of wildly out of control and he just doesn't know how to get a lid, put a lid on it. And he will get these eights and nines and he will just have these, really bad holes whereby it then tends to sometimes, you know, ruin his tournament a little bit. I think the the most recent was the the US Open when he was leading after the first nine holes and then yeah. you know, he kind of just fell apart on those on those back nine. So he's obviously definitely yeah. made an improvement, but at the same time he's he's it still feels like he's got a little bit to get under control. I mean, his wedges to me exactly. look like really inaccurate at times because he's constantly hitting it out the rough rather than the fairway. So but it's uh, mm. it's really cool to see, and like I said, it seems like the new era now. So it's going to be interesting to see how the how the rest of the field react, especially those like uh, DJ and, and McElroy that are already big hitters. Yeah, they they also get a nice distance on it. Actually, um, who who is the next best or the next best in terms of distance? I think uh, Rory is quite far up there. Hey? He's also hitting it quite long. Yeah, uh, I, I forget his name. I want to say that he's South African, but I'm not 100% sure. But he's just come from mm-hmm. the European tour um, and he was playing the other day and he got pretty far. I think he was in the 
he was in the um, he was in the Sunday on the Sunday he was in contention is what I wanted to say. Uh, was it, it perhaps Nien Arbor or? Yes, that's him. Yep, that's the one. Yes, he hits it long. Yeah. Yeah. So he he, he hits it longer than Bryson. Uh, again, he had some of those whereby he's hitting mm. the second shot out of the rough. Um, but he is uh, he seems to be a little bit more accurate than Bryson. So yeah, I mean he's he's uh, one that's in that kind of category as well. But he's not muscular really. He's not like a big muscular mm. guy. He's mm. tall and and tall. very athletic, kind of like a DJ. And because of that, he just has this, you know, ridiculous ability to get the distance. So I don't think it's going to be all about putting on muscle. Obviously, that's going to help and, and it, it always will. Um, but yeah, there's, there's guys like him as well now that are, are, are almost like a DJ where they're just really tall and athletic. Yeah, yeah he's, he's doing really well. And, you know, some of the South African guys, well, I'm, from, I'm South Africa, so I'm obviously a bit yeah, biased, yeah. but... Um, I'm quite excited to see Ninaber and I'm, I'm very excited to see what what uh, Gary Kigo does in the next few years. He's he's uh-huh. exploded onto the scene. Yeah. So very impressive if he um, if he checks out this podcast, he can definitely give me a shout if he wants some training. So uh, <laughs> yeah, him and and of course Louis. Um, I'm really hoping that Louis can pick up a win because you probably see all his runner up as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just that last hurdle he needs to get over. I know. I, I mm. actually had a bet on him um, for the for the Open. Um, I talked about this on a couple of the previous episodes. He's just so frustrating because he is always kind of that second guy, isn't he, when it comes to the majors. Such a great player yeah. as well, but I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's lacking. I mean, in, in that particular tournament, I, I talked about it a little bit, and for me, it was a little bit disappointing to see him um, not go for that shot on the 18th. I don't know if you watched that tournament. But, um, yes, now recently that, as well. Yeah, he had that shot that went into the rough. I think it was on the par five, eighteenth, when yeah. John Ram won. And it, I mean, yes. it looked like a, it looked like a near impossible shot. I get that, but I feel like if he could have just got it on that right edge, on the front edge of the green, and mm. give himself maybe a small chip in, it would have been better than trying to hold it from whatever it was, one fifty, where he laid up to. So, like that was a little bit disappointing to see from from him. I think I feel like. Uh, uh, again, I said it in a previous episode. I feel like a John Ram there is going to go for it no matter what and and be aggressive. So I don't know whether it's that. Yeah. Is he like you know maybe too much of a a nice guy sometimes? Maybe just needs to have that little bit more between his teeth. I don't know, but I really hope he wins uh, a major soon again, another major Same. again soon because he's he's an incredible player. And I mean, I, he's the Open next this weekend, I think, isn't it? So yeah, maybe he'll up. Uh, maybe he'll win that again. I think that was his first major, wasn't it? And just hope for him, yeah, yeah, exactly. He he did win it the previously. Uh, I mean, obviously disappointing to see Louis in the, these these tournaments where he plays so well. He just just doesn't get over the last hurdle. But at the yeah. same time, like I, I must be very happy for John Rahm because of the the previous one where he was asked to withdraw oh, yeah. because of withdraw. the COVID thing. I mean, so I'm actually really happy for him, and and he deserves that but also my dad mentioned actually i was uh, having a chat with him about it and he's like yeah but these other guys are just coming with crazy shots on the last hole like <laughs> like baba hooked it into the woods and then he hit his next shot out next to the hole and it's just like crazy shots coming from other guys and i'm like yeah but louis must just make a par you know <laughs> but, yeah. so we had a we had a nice debate on um but maybe maybe louis surprises us and i mean he's I he has so. won some I think he has won the Masters, right? And uh, no, I, uh, ooh, I mean, I don't fact check me on it, but I believe he's only won the Open. I think that was his right, one right. and only win. 
probably and runner up in the Masters as well. Yeah, I think he's had yeah. a second at the Masters. He's had his second now at the yes. US Open. I think once or twice, I want to say. Um, but I'm almost certain that his only win was that Open, which was, was some years ago now. So hopefully, maybe yes. another one, another win there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's an incredible player. I'm sure he'll he'll win again. But um, he's not getting any younger. I don't know how old he is now, but he's is he late thirties? Is he or is he? Not sure if he's forty yes. yet. But, uh, so hopefully, he does one soon. Can have a can have a yeah um, a Google about it as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure it's late thirties, but I, I do love watching Garrett Higo. He I looks mean, about I, late thirties. Yeah, yeah, thirty-eight. I mean, yeah, there you go. So I mean, he's gonna have to do it soon. Um, obviously, there's with all these young guys that are coming through, like Garrick, you know, the it's not gonna be easy to win another one. So you've got to get onto it soon. But um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Love watching Garrick Higo as well. I mean, I, I've seen him a little bit in the European Tour, and obviously he had those. Uh, I think he won back to back, didn't he, in the European Tour just before then playing in the PGA, where yeah. he, he got that win. So again, it looks like uh, looks like an incredible talent. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he's still at that age where he doesn't quite understand what pressure is or what nerves are, <laughs> maybe because then he must take advantage of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe he just trusts his swing so well that he can just play well and forget about everything else. But um, you know, whatever he's doing, he he should just keep doing it and and. If he if he plays a bad hole, if he plays a bad round, he he knows that he can play just bounce back. You know, we all have terrible shots and terrible rounds sometimes, and and I think yeah, he's he's impressive. Um, I mean, uh, I was playing a lot in high school and at the start of university and all, and I mean, I was I knew even at that age I'm going to. Um, I'm going to come up against such insane players if I take mm -hmm. this much further. So I wonder if it was a kind of a, uh, a scary thought and, and I thought, you know, I want to play golf and, and enjoy it more than what I want to be very super competitive at it. But mm -hmm. I, I still really enjoy playing, you know, the odd club competition with a friend or yeah, yeah the, the odd, um, even if you, you're just having a private game with someone and, I mean, it's always fun, and then you, you you can get into their heads and banter with them and all. So that's kind of all all good as well. It's, it's a good point about the the pressure side of it. It'd be interesting to kind of know you know what his mindset is because again, this is something that I've mentioned in in previous episodes before when uh, talking to actually Adam and Ami that you mentioned earlier um, because she played uh, college golf in in the United States, but she was born in London. And my question to her was how she kind of felt, felt that pressure when she went to play in college and then obviously try to come out of college and maybe play in the LPGA because I spent a little bit of time in America and if you if you look at the way they develop their players in sports they're all kind of um, they're all faced with pressure and media from a very mm. early age um, I'm not sure if you've ever spent any time there yourself, but like if you look on their US channels like SportsCenter, they're showing baseball games of nine-year-olds playing in, in, you know, Little League. And they're, mm. they're faced with media at an age like that, whereby, you know, literally thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of people are not only watching them play, but then they're listening to their interviews. And 
in, in England, for example, that isn't exactly something that happens all the time. There's obviously younger players like those that played for England the other night that will be under pressure and have these media um, interviews. But it's not really something whereby everybody's watching like high school games here or college games of football. Mm. So I don't know what it's like in South Africa. Maybe you could give us a little bit more of an insight. But for me, I just find that always to be an advantage because you look at these US stars, especially in golf, and they just seem ready the moment they come from, whether it's the Corn Ferry or, or whatever, to play in the PGA, yeah. um, the LPGA as well. They, they already seem ready for the pressure of winning. They already seem ready for the media. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Mm. So I don't know how it is in South Africa. Probably, well, I haven't really thought of it that much. But I think that that's very interesting how you mentioned about the little league. I haven't, I've never heard of kids as <laughs> yeah. young as that, you know, being interviewed. But I, I think it's... It's probably important in terms of if you're going to take your game further and you're actually going to come onto the scene and you're going to start being known as a as a rising star kind of player like a Gary Kigo or a, something like that, then you, you're going to have to accept and be ready for um, for a lot of media attention and and receive it gracefully. Uh, you know, probably. Um, what I would do if this was my case, I would, I would definitely, you know, appoint one or two psychologists or, you know, sports PR people to help me out because those are the kind of things you want to manage. And, and if you don't manage it well and you say something wrong on an interview and it can quickly get twisted or you, you painted as this, this player that, or this person that you're not really, and you're actually a fairly decent guy in person. So sure. yeah, something important to 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 manage well, uh, definitely, and all all the kind of pressure that comes with it. And I mean, it makes me also think now in terms of we obviously sports family and also we're watching Wimbledon now the past week, for instance, mm-hmm. and talking about our favorite players. And my mom loves Djokovic, and I get so tired of it. And <laughs> you know, for instance, in the women's part, I quite I quite like Osaka, you know, Omi Osaka. Mm-hmm. And we told, oh, they told me no, but she withdrew. And I said, oh, what's going on? I said, no, she just couldn't handle the um, the media at the moment, and they're wanting them to interview the winner after each game. And I thought to myself, but she surely can't be expected to have to talk if she doesn't really want to. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was very disappointed because I'm a huge fan of her in, in terms of the, the, the ladies' tennis, and so. It, it looks like there's a kind of shift in that direction where the media is, is getting more and more involved and, and wanting to know more and more from the top sports players and they have to accept and, you know, they have to roll with it if, if they're going to be interviewed mm-hmm. or spoken to. So I think that's, that's what's interesting to note as well. Yeah, it's a good, it's an interesting point because I, I remember watching the, the recent major from the, from the ladies game and uh, I think it was Lexi Thompson that was leading on the final day um, and then she ended up falling away and having a really bad day and and obviously didn't win. And I think she fell outside the top 10. But, you know, they were saying on the on the on the live channel that they wanted to kind of speak to her straight away and, and interview her. And you feel like it's just because obviously they want to they want to talk to her because she fell apart and had a bad day. And she's somebody that spoke out a lot in terms of struggling kind of with, with her mental health and, and the pressure of the media and all that kind of thing. So I think in those situations, you know, we have to allow these players to, you know, be able to say, look, you know, I'm just not ready right now. I think she said that she would do one the next day or later that night, but the minute she walks off the golf course, isn't the correct time to start 
you know, throwing questions at her of yeah. why she lost and why she fell apart. I mean, it, it, it can, you know, we're all human, aren't we? And, and it can, mm. it can mm. mess with somebody's mind and we, we shouldn't be, or the media shouldn't be wanting to do that. So anyway, I think we need to find a balance. Obviously it's, it's, it's of course, in all their contracts as it is in all sports that they have to talk to media and do these uh, press conferences, which is, you know, a big part of the of sport and why we love watching different sports is to hear, mm. you know, why these people, well, not why they fell apart, but just the good stuff as well, right? Like Garrett Kigo straight after his win, we love to see all the emotion, etc. Um, but at the same time, we do need to protect players and understand that they are humans as well. I mean, exactly, Matthew Wolf yeah. as well is another one that spoke out recently about mental health. So we have to to let them, uh, you know, sometimes just go, look, I'm not ready for this right now. And maybe I'll talk to you later on and, and just leave them be. Yeah. And I think they, that they shouldn't hold that against them either. I mean, players who mm. are human, we've had a terrible round. I mean, the last thing I want is to have a camera in my face and I want to even, I'm not even famous. And, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people enjoy that attention, like getting an interview or something. But if I've had a terrible round, then I might say something I regret to a camera. And, exactly. you know, hopefully that's not what the media is looking for. They, mm -hmm. I mean, all of us, of course, want to know why, uh, you know, I would have, I would have liked to know the, the thoughts behind why Louis, for instance, didn't, didn't win the tournament and all, but, you know, not blaming him or anything, but no. I'm just as curious as anyone to, to see what his thought process was in that time, what went wrong, mm. what, what he might've done different. Sure. But you can always ask him the next day or a few days after, <laughs> maybe yeah. not right after he putted the last ball. And I mean, similarly to um, to John Rahm, where he had to withdraw, I thought that was a little bit harsh, in my opinion, when they they caught him right at the 18th green, just about, and said, "Listen, uh, you got to withdraw." And mm. I thought that could have been done a little better. So, yeah, uh, time and place kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of all happened in, in front of the cameras, doesn't it? Didn't it? In front of all the crowd. And it was a yeah. little bit, it wasn't very discreet, should we say? Yeah, it's, and it's not, I mean, it's not really necessary either, but I'm, I'm glad that generally the public was behind him with that one. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they supported him in that. And I mean, it can happen to anyone. You, you're not suddenly a villain because you got COVID. I mean, I could get COVID yeah. tomorrow and I've got to sit in my apartment. <laughs> so the, <laughs> Yeah, I mean the guys have got to. Uh, the media is is kind of a um, the bad guy sometimes, and mm -hmm. I understand members of the media they, they need to get that story or they need to get that sure. interview, but they, they, a little bit of compassion it also helps. Eh? Yeah, I agree. So just before we we kind of wrap this up, I want to go a little bit back to the the fitness side of things um, in terms of what you do. So have you got any like particular I don't know, let's say workouts or exercises that you do specifically for golf, and and what would you recommend that other people do that that want to to make sure that they keep it in shape to to improve their golf? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so as as everyone knows, I'm I'm coaching at a CrossFit gym, but I I think there's a certain a few things that you can definitely focus on, pay more attention to if you want to um, solidify or stabilize your golf game. And as I mentioned, core, very important. A few good, um, you know, core works like uh, the cat camel stretch, I know. And there's, there's an exercise called the, the bird dog or figure four and some, you know, set up exercises, definitely strengthening the core. Uh, farmers walks those kind of things um, mm -hmm. 
off balance exercises are very good for core, you know, maybe squatting with weight on one side of you, that kind of thing. Um, I can provide more examples on, on my Instagram. If I should probably make one or two videos on actually yeah, good core cool. work, but general fitness, I find helps a lot, you know, like again, with my friend from Paul, and when we get to the 14th or 15th and we're like, I'm pretty tired now. <laughs> so I think that fitness is important, you know, getting you through that 18 holes. And I mean, we don't carry our bags. We've, we've got the, the push carts or so, but it's still a fairly long walk. And if you can make it through to that, that whole 18 holes feeling kind of fresh, then you, you can actually concentrate on your shots better rather than mm-hmm. feeling tired and, and actually losing concentration as a result of your tiredness because you won't even realize that's happening so general um cardio fitness which is great in terms of crossfit and intensity training which just helps you feel fitter and and get more output uh, those would be my priorities i think Uh, core general fitness and the strength can help to an extent as well yeah yeah and what sort of things are you doing maybe before the round are you somebody that will just do some stretching to get ready for the round or are you somebody that would like to maybe get a quick workout in the morning to loosen up what what sort of things do you recommend in terms of what to do before let's say maybe practice or a round of golf that's a good question uh well for for sure i'll have a breakfast if if it's a tournament i've I've forgotten that before (laughs) i haven't had (laughs) enough to eat and i'm like starving by halfway but yeah definitely and have a decent breakfast don't let your stomach bother you halfway through the round maintain your concentration i might have a few short game practice swings uh, some chips or putts on the green uh, definitely just to get the feel and and generally mobility drills are good so you have your things like your active stretching is you know kind of leg swings or your your trunk twists and those kind of things just to get you kind of loosened up uh more your more your active stretching than your passive lying down stretching in one place because your muscles aren't really warm anyway so i'll definitely do my active stretching you know arm swings or leg swings and my my torso rotations and things like that uh Maybe obviously a, a nice few um, practice swings with the driver or the three wood as well. Can't do any harm. Uh, those kind of things. Are, yeah, that's a good point you mentioned. That I should probably do those more. I don't know if actually practice what I preach, but uh, if I had to do it perfectly, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And obviously, besides from maybe like the fitness side, you've also got the nutrition side as well. And I guess mm. people that are going to the gym, there's normally some standard, kind of fairly standard what you'd say meal plans that people should use to go to the gym and build muscle, et cetera. But again, in terms of golf and getting the best out of your golf, is there any sort of meal plan or nutrition that you'd recommend following as to, to partner that, uh, the, the workouts, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person. Uh, you know, I think by now, most people know the good and bad things, what you want to avoid. So, I mean, you don't want to drink too many sodas or, too too many fatty foods or too many carbs but i actually do recommend a bit of carbs like bananas or you know sweet potatoes or something the night before and those kind of carbs are actually the carbs you want to use and and carbs are not actually an enemy when you're trying to look for sustained energy and that kind of thing so definitely uh you know have a have a nice balanced diet i'm not i'm not one to judge if you 
have a have a McDonald's now and then. I mean, I I have a pizza now and then. I have a burger, but uh, try try and do the the seventy five to eighty percent good diet. You know, have your have your lean meats. Have your broccoli and your chicken. Um, do those things most of the time, and and then your cheat meals or your your chocolates or the things you shouldn't have. They'll actually taste that much better because you know you you're um being focused in general so yeah have a have a nice balanced nutrition plan i don't recommend extreme diets in any form i don't really i'm not a fan of keto or zero carbs or zero fats i think they they kind of just cause problems in the long run i would say keep it balanced keep it healthy um yeah and then and then you should be fine going ahead that's good Make sure you're not hungry during the round. It's a good, in, good important tip. Yeah, sometimes my buddy and I, we're having a terrible round and after nine holes, we're just like, okay, do you want to get a drink? Let's have a few drinks and the next nine will go better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, in terms of what you're, you're doing then as a fitness coach, um, are you kind of teaching people to um, get in shape to, to, to get better at golf or is it more just general fitness? And if not, is that something that maybe you're going to look to do in the future, either on your Instagram or off, off social media in terms of uh, educating people and teaching people more about how to, to, to improve their fitness for, for golf? I would love to get involved in uh, more golf specific fitness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, even to work with someone who is, is um, perhaps not where they want to be in terms of fitness and in, in, in their golf fitness, for instance. Yeah, I would definitely be open to that. I would love to do it. At the moment, I'm coaching at a, at a general fitness gym, which we, we do CrossFit and all, but I, I am looking into, you know, getting into more personal training side of things and, and uh, you know, I, w- I would be very happy, happy to take on a golfer or, or someone like that who wants specific training to help their golf. I would re- I would actually enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe some videos on YouTube as well. Be pretty cool. Yeah, like I mean, different drills I, and exercises. I think so. You you can maybe help me out with that. I need to get the YouTube up and running better. Of course, you <laughs> let me know. <laughs> awesome. Well, anyway, Thanks, anyway, Alex. Yeah, I mean, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Great to meet you and, and I appreciate your time coming on today. Um, so just to remind everybody, if they want to find you on Instagram, it's uh, Derek Golf. Um, can they find you anywhere, anywhere else at the moment on social media or anything else? Or is it just Instagram? Derek Golf on Instagram, uh, Derek Foster on, on Facebook. They're welcome to add me, and uh, especially if they're interested in golf or fitness. I'm, I'm very happy to chat to anyone. That'll be cool. Awesome, man. Great to talk to you and thanks again for your time. Thanks, everybody.